Welcome to Worship Call with Bible teacher Buzz Lawback. Buzz is the pastor of Grace Chapel Bible Ministries located in Duncan, South Carolina. This ministry is dedicated to the verse-by-verse teaching of God's Word and discipleship programs aimed at strengthening the faith of God's people. Now here's today's message. This is the second day of the week in God's created order. Monday, the 8th day of January, 2024, the uh, year of our Lord. And let's turn to our Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for this day. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this new week. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you open up our hearts to the study of your word this morning. I pray, Heavenly Father, and make it a source of blessing and challenge as we continue to equip our hearts with your word. In these things we pray in Christ's name. Amen. And this is another fine day in the Lord as we uh, start another day. And um, we are coming into a um, coming into our passage in uh, Matthew 23, uh, verse 20, starting with verse 23, Jesus answers to Sadducees. And uh, we had... Um, we had started a, uh, we had a conversation yesterday about, um, uh, reading through the Bible. And if you haven't, you don't, don't let a day of the week prevent you from missing the boat, but you can start any time. And, um, I suggest, you know, I I made a suggestion that, you know, to grab a commentary. You know, uh, it might be Bible knowledge commentary or, or maybe Matthew Henry, maybe the, you get the abridged version or the um, full version and just read, you know, read the commentary on the section you're getting ready to read. Uh, also, Beck and I have been working um, prior to the new year, uh, going through Bob Bolander's, uh, the, uh, through the Bible that he did in 23 that he teaches, uh, he runs a running commentary, and it's it's like drinking water through a fire hose, but it, he, we actually go through and we hear the lesson on what we're, on the reading of that reading, and gives us some good points. He's a dispensational teacher, um, um, very good, but whatever it is, you know, we, um, and to, to uh, I do believe that they're, to get the full scope of God's word, it's quite a blessing to to go on beyond and understand um, the historical aspects of Israel and and their separation, and all that. But anyway, um, I just uh, just food for thought for this morning. But we are in our passage in Matthew twenty two twenty three, and uh, we we've dealt with or Jesus had to deal with the uh, the Pharisees. He had to deal with the scribes. He had to deal with the chief priests. We just got off the chief priests. Now um, we are. He has to deal with another sect of people called the Sadducees, and these Sadducees are another group of people. They do not believe. They only believe in the Torah, the Bible. They don't believe in the writings or the prophets part of the Bible. They are. They are basically. They are your. Um, they are political opportunists. They are as liberal as the Pharisees are legalists. Um, and these two groups, they are against each other, um, except for their hatred of Jesus. That's what brings them together. Um, another thing about the Sadducees, they do not believe in angels. They do not believe in, um, in spirit beings. So with that said, that gives us a little bit of background who Jesus is dealing with in Matthew 22, verse starting with 23. Let's begin. 
On that day, some Sadducees who say there is no resurrection came to Jesus and questioned him, asking, teacher, it's funny how someone who don't believe in something will bring an argument to the table about something, like they know about it. Uh, and that's what these Sadducees are doing. 24, asking, teacher, Moses said, if a man dies having no children, his brother, as next of kin, shall marry his wife. And raise up children, uh, children for the brother. And this is found in Deuteronomy 25.5. And this is the Leverite marriage. We'll talk about that in a minute more specifically. Now, there were seven brothers with us. And the first married and died, having no children left his wife to his brother. So also the second and the third, down to the seventh. Last of all, the woman died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife of the seven will she be? For they all had married her. But Jesus answered and said to them, You are mistaken, not understanding the scriptures nor the power of God for the resurrection, for in the resurrection they neither marry nor given in marriage, but are like the angels in heaven. Regarding the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God? And we'll, we'll leave that right, right there as we'll pick that up probably tomorrow on that. So we begin this morning. First of all, the question of the, regarding the Leverite marriage. What is the Leverite marriage? And according to the law, Deuteronomy 25, 5 and 6, you can read about it. Um, when a brother, when, well, when a man, um, die, when a man dies and his wife, and he doesn't have an heir, then it is left up to the man's brother to go into his brother's wife and produce an heir so that the inheritance, the land and everything else will go to the brother, no, or go to the man himself, even though he didn't produce the heir, it would be the one who was produced by the brother. Do you understand what I'm saying there? It is the brother who produces a heir offspring for his dead brother. I guess that's the easiest way of saying it. We see this again in Deuteronomy 25, 5 and 6. This is played out in Genesis 38 uh, with Judah and Tamar. And it's also in the book of Ruth we see this case. So in the, if we go back to Genesis 38, we're not going to turn there, but to give you the general gist of it. Um, Judah, who is the son of Jacob, um, he has his, he marries a Canaanite woman, and so does his sons. And his son Ur married a woman by the name of Tamar. Tamar, um, but Ur was, it just says, Ur was uh, evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord took him out sin unto death. Okay, by leverate marriage, the brother was Onan. So Judah goes to Onan, says, go and do your brotherly duty, um, and produce an heir for your brother. Now remember, all the inheritance wouldn't go to, to Onan's family, it would go to Ur's family. But Onan went in, and um, he, rather than fulfilling his responsibility, he only gratified his own fleshly pleasure with Tamar. And um, so that was evil in God's eyes. So he takes Onan out. Now, that's two for two. 
Judah's out of two sons now, Ur and um, Onan. And so he has another son, younger son, and he's not of age yet. His name is Shelah. And Judah said, we're going to withhold Shelah. He tells Tamar, go back to your father's house until Shelah is old enough. Um, and But Judah's going to withhold him from Tamar. Uh, he didn't want to lose another son. And if you want to continue reading on that and see what happens, go ahead and turn, uh, go ahead and, um, read that in Genesis t- chapter 38. Um, the point is that, uh, in the Leverite marriage, it, it was the brothers, it was the brother that was produced an heir for the brother. So, um, so hypothetically, going back to the Sadducees, hypothetically, they're saying one man died having having left no heir, and subsequently each brother who went into the brother they died. They took the, their brother's uh, wife uh, for themselves to produce an heir for their brother, but they all died, coming up to seven seven brothers. So whose wife is she? That's the, that's the question, and. Um, so we come back to verse 29. But Jesus answered and said to them, You are mistaken, not understanding the scriptures, nor the power of God. Like our last lesson, when it, when Jesus, when Jesus says, uh, says that, uh, well, first, Jesus is righteous, he's omniscient, he's absolute truth, and when he calls you a hypocrite, when he calls you a brood of vipers, or just plain old ignorant, is there any debate? Absolutely not. You are understanding. These guys come, you know, this is, this is so much fun sometimes. When people come to you and, you know, you're, you're equipped with the Word of God, you know, you, you've done your homework. You're faithful in God's word. And you, you study. You're, you're faithful to God in, in, and under the filling of the spirit, you're studying God's word. And then out of the blue, somebody comes to you and they, they act like they've got all the right answers. They got, or, or they got the questions. And I love it. I really do. They come to you and they, 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 their wisdom, they act as though they're wise, but they're fools. And they, well, you know, and they, they'll start. <laughs> and, <clears throat> they, they act like they, they have all the answers. And they, they'll ask questions like this question's never been asked before. And I always like to play around with them a little bit, you know. I always like to ponder and, huh, you know, like, I've never heard that question before. Well, let's, let's talk about it. And, um, it's, um, I hate to say it. Um, I, I, I hate to say it, but this is fun. I love it. I love it when, when, when somebody, I love the debate. I really do. But I also remind myself as I remind you. We're not there to win a debate. We're there when they bring antagonism to us. They're antagonic toward the Bible. They're unbelievers. They're, um, and I love it because they knocked on my door. I didn't knock on theirs. I didn't chase them down with the Bible and start beating them upside the head. I let them 
come and knock on my door. And I'm saying that even as they're speaking, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm praying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for bringing them, bringing, um, bringing them to me. And, um, and so, you know, I try not to be my, uh, be my goal to make them look stupid. They, they're doing a good enough job on their own. But mine is, and prayerfully, and even as I'm talking to them, I'm praying that God will will use the words I'm speaking. Give me the words that they might understand, that they might turn from being antagonistic to ask me questions legitimately on increasing their knowledge of who and what the Bible is. So again, they come to me with with um, with the argument, and they say, "Well, what about this? And what about that? And you know?" And they have their their place and I don't take it as an attack I'll take it as I'll take the question and and but remember to use the Bible to bring them into the Bible to bring them into scripture and um, the better you know about the Bible yes we have we have pastors and we have teachers to prepare us and to train us and to equip us with the word of God with the word of truth but um, people will respect you more than bringing out a doctrinal book, but to bring out the Bible and says this is what the Bible says, you know. And and at the same time, you're 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 bringing credibility upon God's word. And um, so, it's a great reward, really, to have spent time learning the Bible, to spend time learning God's word. And um, and uh, under the mentorship of God, the Holy Spirit, and it's a great reward to be able to, even in a debate. And so th- these people come with 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 all their, you know, they profess to be wise, but they're fools. And um, like a man I I said not too long ago, when he's questioning about the Bible and this, that, and the other thing, and I I stopped. I get I go. Well, first of all, um. You haven't read the Bible, have you? You haven't spent much time at all in the Bible, do you? How much of the Bible do you know? How much, how much, how much reading have you done in the Bible or any study at all? He, and he, that's when he started Emmett Hahn and stuff. And I respectfully, you know, said, you know, I go, you see, every, let me tell you, everyone that's ever come with these questions and with arguments about the Bible, without exception, I haven't met one yet. That knows anything about the Bible. They're only repeating what they've heard others say. Now let me answer your question. Let me, let me give you some, bring some credibility to the Bible. Let me tell you a little bit about the Bible. Because once you start, once you start studying the Bible, then you find out how miraculous and how great this book is. And you come to the conclusion, as many others have, that this is the Word of God. So, um, so first of all, Jesus says to him straight up, he says, you are mistaken. And this word mistaken, planao, it means to call someone to hold a wrong view and thus be mistaken. To mislead, to deceive, deception, to cause, to be mistaken. And remember that the, uh, the devil is the one that will bring and cast diver- diversions. On the Bible and on truth and on knowledge. 
uh, and it is the devil that will come in to corrupt knowledge. Even when you think you know something, the, the devil will come in and take that little bit that you think you know and corrupt it. That's why we must know, we must know doctrine upon doctrine, precept upon precept. And that no verse really stands by itself because when something stands by itself, the, the devil will come in and corrupt it. So, um, so, Jesus does three things here. First of all, he says to him, you, you are mistaken. And in their ignorance, they misapplied scriptures. They took what they've read and they, uh, or they knew, and remember the Sadducees only stand on the Old Testament, or not the Old Testament, the Torah. Remember part, the Torah comes in three parts. Or, or the, the Old Testament, the Tanakh. You have the Torah, or the Law of Moses, those first five books, the Pentateuch. There is the writings, that's another section of the Old Testament, and you have the prophets. All these three put together are the scriptures. And so, just fine. If you're going to argue from the uh, Torah, okay, fine. I'll I'll take you to the Torah. Okay. So first, the, he said that they were mistaken. Um, they misapplied scripture. And the second, they lacked understanding. They had knowledge. They thought they knew, but they lacked the ability to properly apply what they did know. And then number three. They didn't know God. They didn't know the, if they didn't, don't know the power of God, they don't know God. So, at this point, Jesus could have said, okay. He could have said that to him. He could have said, you don't understand, you, you're, um, you're lacking in understanding, and you don't know God. See you later, fellas. Uh, end of argument. But he doesn't. He takes them to school. Like I said, we're not there to win a debate. What Jesus said to them was true. And it may, why does Jesus keep talking to them? Why do we keep talking to the unbeliever? That we might shine light on, on those that are in these, on, on these, uh, to, to, that's a problem. Being mistaken, um, and missing apply, misapplying scripture is a problem. Lacking understanding is a problem. And not knowing God is a problem. And again, here's the reward of understanding the scripture that we might win a brother. Rather than winning a debate, we can win a brother. And so the, we don't compromise with scripture, but knowledge, like, uh, and I've often bragged on you, Tim. You had a, you have an awesome um, ability to take someone who is antagonistic toward the scripture and bring them into scripture, and without them feeling like they're getting beat up. Um, so, uh, uh, so Jesus goes on. He takes them to school. For in the resurrection, they neither married nor given to marriage, but are like angels in heaven. So this takes us back to Genesis chapter two. Uh, you got your, you got your Bibles. Let's go back to Genesis chapter two. So again, the, fair, the 
these Sadducees saying, um, and once you argue from the position of the, what they knew, the Torah, so Jesus says, okay, let's go back to the Torah. So he says to them again um, that for in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given to marriage, but are like the angels in heaven. Let's begin with that. Genesis 2-7. Yeah, we're already there. Then the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. All right. God deals at this point with one man, one singular man. The species of man did not exist. But he says, and the Lord God formed man, and this is a singular, of the dust of the ground and breathed into his, again, um, uh, a singular, nostrils, one set of nostrils, the man he had just created, and breathed of li- uh, the breath of life. And that, that life right there is lives, is the breath of lives. That's plural, actually. And the man... Again, we're dealing with, make sure it's singular. Yeah, we're dealing with singular. Became a, a, not, um, not living beings, but singular living being. We're dealing with one man. Not with the angels. The angels, um, uh, and here it is that Adam became a corporate head of the human race. But here is one, one man. Not, unlike the angels, um, way, way I see it is that God said, God just like he everything else. How, how did he do it in eternity past? I don't know, but it may have been God spoke and there was angels. The whole multitude of angels. Boom. God spoke and there was angels. A whole corp. But not here. Not with man. He creates one. One out of all of them. Okay? So, um, but as we go on and read this, there come, there, there is a problem. There is a problem. Now, it's just one. God created everything according to their kind. And he created He created the fish of the sea. He said fish, and there they were. Birds, and where they were. And the cattle, and, uh, and the things that creeped on the ground. He said, but there they are. But unlike everything else that he had created as a whole, and he he did tell him, to multiply and fill the earth. That's what's the first thing that he said to multiply and fill the earth, or fill, and fill the habitat. When he did the fish, when he created, I think, it, I think you look back on it. I'm not going to look back on it right now, but I, but I believe it was the fish that he created the fish, and he told him to multiply, and probably the birds of the air as well, to multiply and to fulfill the fish were to fulfill their habitat. The birds were to fulfill for to fill their habitat by procreation. The creatures on the earth were to fulfill and and multiply on on there. And then um, and then you had the uh, but man. Here's the here's the problem with man. Man was to be fruitful and to multiply. Going back to Genesis chapter one. But here at this point, what does God say in Genesis two eighteen? He goes, then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a suitable 
I'll make helper suitable for him. You see, without a suitable companion, there was going to be no more men. He had to have a helper. He had to have one that a corresponding, a compatible helpmate to bring the God. So one single being with no compatible mate, as it was that all the animals did have, as it was that animal life was pro- pro- to procreate upon the earth. So at this point, it would be impossible for man to, um, to multiply and fill the earth. Genesis 2.19. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field, of every bird of the sky, and brought them to man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called the living creature, that was its name. And man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. And um, so the Lord is going to come and he's going to create. Uh, uh, well, one by one, he brought them to and Adam said, nope. Uh, well, Adam looked at it, and of course, these animals were not compatible. They they were different. They were different than them. So, um, let me just read the rest of this, as you've already know. And um, going to twenty one. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon a man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in a place. And the Lord God fashioned into the woman a rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to man. And he said, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman because she was taken from man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother, be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Uh, and this was the first marriage. This was the first marriage, and it was um, one man and one woman. And it was for the, pro- it was for the, for the, um, to fulfill the mandate that we find in Genesis chapter 1, 27. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and every living thing that moves on the earth. And um, so this was... In the earthly realm, in the human realm, and when we're talking about these Sadducees, um, humanistic, worldly, um, they're not looking at the, um, they're not looking at the angels, they're not looking at spiritual beings, they are, they are equating heaven with earth, the two together. So here it is, when we talk about the angels, we see that the man was procreation. When we talk about the angels, um, we don't see any procreation with the angels in the heavenly places. They're spiritual beings. Not again, not believed in by the Sadducees. They were created not one with a corporate head as with Adam, which comes very important. Why doesn't God provide salvation for the angels? Maybe we'll get to that. Uh, or redemption for the angels as he did for man. We'll talk about that tomorrow maybe. Um but he created man and woman to procreate, to fill the earth, to populate the earth, to populate their environment. The heavens were already populated. 
with angels. There are no male, well, there is no female angels. There's no um, baby angels. Now that may be surprised from you, but you know if you have an argument with that, then you just go ahead and find it in the Bible. Send me an email, and I'll be more than glad to say, hey, you know there are baby and um, women angels, but there are not. And the Lord says that they do not procreate. There are no women angels. There are no babies. Um, the only procreation that did take place with regard to the angels is when they left their habitat. And they came, and uh, as we see in Genesis chapter 6, 1 through 4, that they, that they left their, their um, heavenly habitat. And they took on human women. They they became, the angels took on the form of human beings, and they took they took human women as as wives. They took them, raped them, whatever the case was, and produced an offspring that's called Nephilim. Those are it was a bastardization of the human race, um, and with the objective to corrupt the pure line of of the uh, Messianic line, that line that led to Jesus. And so, for their reward, they get sentenced to to prison. And 2 Peter 2.4 For if God did not spare his angels when they sinned, well, how was that sin? They left their heavenly abode, took on human wives and procreate, procreated with them and produced a, a Nephilim race. But cast them into hell. Let me see, that hell is Gehenna, I believe. Um, no, no, I, that's, this is Peter, so that would be Tartarus. And Tartarus, we talked a little bit about Hades last week. Tartarus is a prison for, um, for these fallen angels and they're, and committed them to the pits of darkness reserved for judgment. So Peter tells us that these particular angels who um dubbed as the sons of God were were cast into this into the Tartars and they're there they're waiting for the final judgment at which time they will be cast into the lake of fire or Jude and angels who did not keep their own dom- um domain but abandoned their proper abode he has kept an eternal bound bonds under darkness for judgment of that great day. And so certainly there is a different aspect um, that Jesus that Jesus is telling the Sadducees, uh-uh, you guys are mistaken, you're misinformed, you don't have understanding that that um, the that the resurrection in the resurrection that the, the there's no longer the purpose that marriage was uh marriage was made for on earth to procreate the human race and when we're taken there's no procreation in heaven just as in the, with the angels there's no procreation so um that's where we will leave off today let's close out in prayer father in heaven thank you for this opportunity today fellowship in your word I thank you, Heavenly Father, for the, your word that comforts us, that guides us, that equips us. I pray, Heavenly Father, as, as we continue in, in, in this new year, in this new month, I pray, Heavenly Father, let us resolve to serve thee, to learn your word,
to grow and from that to produce good works that um, that's honoring to thee. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Another fine day in the Lord. Keep your armor on. Keep fighting good fight of faith. Lord willing, spirit guide, rapture pinning. We'll be back here in the AM. Thank you for joining us. You can hear this message again, as well as previous lessons, and get notes by visiting us online at www.gchapel.org.